or it's not. Thank you. Go ahead. Cool. Thank you. So um, the first of these uh, um, these key factors is uh, obviously the flexible and responsive social architecture of the Discord and uh, um, the other platforms that are that enable the community to thrive. So. Um, as uh, we've seen and as we've uh, also heard from different uh, core team members and Discord members, uh, um, the um, you know everybody in Discord is actively encouraged to take initiative with regard to the structure of the Discord, from starting conversation to creating new channel, organizing voice calls, and generally organizing community activities. And uh, one first example of this community-led approach is uh, the uh, you know uh, the swim team, obviously, which then has been turned into the uh, pool grants program. Um, secondly, um, the core team's accessibility and active involvement in the Discord has also definitely contributed to um, creating such a good environment. Uh, and specifically, the uh, Pull Together Inc.'s uh, uh, commitment to working in public uh, has uh, reduced uh, the information asymmetry between the core team and the community, while at the same time fostering a transparent social environment uh, where participants uh, feel very comfortable expressing their opinions. Um, as uh, uh, one core team member told us, uh, um, uh, telling us about, about the, the story of uh, Pull Together and the uh, deep involvement of the core team in the, in the Discord. Uh, um, if uh, you're on Slack and your community is on Discord, you're not going to make it. Uh, so um, having this uh, um, environment uh, where um, community members and core team members uh, um, interact uh, uh, so um, you know, strongly in the Discord has also um, definitely contributed in our uh, view to, um, you know, creating and cultivating this uh, this open environment. Uh, and uh, another good use case uh, for this was obviously the um, pull together's approach to treasury diversification, um, showing the core team's commitment to uh, listening and learning from the community. Um, and then third, uh, uh, the focus uh, of the uh, project itself uh, on social good and financial responsibility um, instead of uh, the majority, uh, we could say, of like uh, other DeFi projects. Uh, so um, the emphasis on put together on savings uh, together and uh, on um, you know, creating a positive environment and being an on-ramp into DeFi um, shifts the focus away to Towards the collective betterment, and uh, sh sorry, shift the focus towards the collective betterment and away from uh, risk taking and individual profit. And then, uh, lastly, also really important, the clearly articulated and accessible governance process. Uh, put together, we've seen as a really straightforward and transparent uh, governance process. Uh, information is uh, easily accessible and makes it really easy for token holders uh, to participate in improving the protocol. And uh, one key element uh, um, that we thought was really crucial is that uh, the governance process makes uh, um, time and space for synchronous communication as well during community calls that um, have been really successful in creating a sense of cohesion in the community because of their regular cadence, 
because of the moderation, which is generally um, you know distributed across the community members, and uh, also uh, we noticed because of the proof of participation, uh, the uh, receiving POAPs has been um, also like a, um, a a great way to um, attracting and catalyzing uh, energy around community calls. Um, so yeah, we've seen that uh, overall put together leadership has applied uh, some of the best practices for community organizations, the uh, transparency of work and discoverability of key information, the willingness to learn from, work with and empower community members, the motivational leadership, um, who sorry, motivational leadership which uh, engages directly with community and the socially oriented and non-extractive mission, mm -hmm. um, and um, so in a way for founders the takeaway is clear. Um, if you want to cultivate uh, um, you know positive and uh, welcoming community. Um, it is the responsibility of the core team to uh, personally embody the culture and the values that they uh, would want to see um, in the communities. But as we'll see also, that this commitment to openness um, has created some kind of ambiguities and tensions um, that are becoming, we think, increasingly important for uh, DAOs and decentralized projects to, um, to approach. And I will pass it to Joanna to discuss the second part. Thanks, Laura. Yeah, I'm Joanna. Hi, everyone. Um, so now we're going to talk about what we all thought was an extremely interesting topic and also something that you as a community have been discussing, which is basically labor and compensation. So this is kind of like, yeah, a bit of a flashpoint for the broader DAO space, like how should people be paid for their work inside DAOs? Like what is a fair way to do it? What is an effective way to do it that like um, is conducive for kind of um, really interesting and proactive contributions. I think um, it's cool to like look at the labor and compensation issue within Pool Together because, and I really like this tweet from Leighton about PT being a kind of talent funnel for DeFi. So like a number of um, Pool Together community members have gone on to do um, interesting stuff, like also with other protocols. And um, that's kind of like not surprising, maybe thinking about like how the culture that pulled together has, it makes sense that uh, you would kind of have people flourishing and developing uh, skills and then going on to kind of bring that knowledge elsewhere, which is really cool. Um, another thing that we kind of like noticed when we were trying to um, come to terms with like how how labor happens inside this community is that um, it became, it was like a little bit blurry initially, even like who is part of the core team and who is actually just like a super user in the Discord. Um, which is like almost, um, it seems like a good sign in a way because it just shows like there isn't this like weird hierarchy between a core team member and like a Discord user who's like a really active contributor. Everyone has like kind of an equal say and an equal position. Um, so I think that's really important. I think someone ha might have their microphone on. Got a bit of background noise here. Um, oh, good. Thank you. We got it. But uh, yeah, it's not all sunshine rainbows, obviously. And this is probably something you've all noticed yourselves. Like uh, it's a tricky issue uh, thinking about like what is fair payment for everyone. And um, as one interviewer that I, I won't name, uh, they called this the unpaid intern problem of DAOs. So it's like not just something that's affecting pull together, but it is something you see uh, just across the board 
different Web3 organizations uh, where like what we really want to avoid is going kind of like regressing to this model that you see in corporations where you take the legal interns uh, and it's like they're expected to just like just um, and then somehow that's going to be beneficial for them later but it's like a bit of a risky problem and that uh like the working environment inside DAOs it's currently really exciting and it's really important that that stays like a healthy environment as well just for the overall sustainability of the space so in order to like get a bit deeper into these issues we looked at the different compensation models that are like in operation inside pull together um and so the first one that we're going to look at now is tipping so pull together has like an incredible tipping culture and I think like it's again not surprising if your community is like centered around generosity it's not really surprising that you also tip very generously um so that was a really um interesting insight for us to see but we also noticed that there are um kind of like inefficiencies in how tipping happens currently and so um this is also th synthesized from the kind of discussions we had with the different community members we interviewed who noticed mm -hmm kind of three separate problems. Um, so the first of these that came up the most frequently is the kind of visibility bias in tipping. So basically this just means like, if you are doing uh, some kind of contribution that everyone can see, of course, you're more likely to get tipped and to be tipped better. So um, that can be problematic if you think about like all the kind of important contributions that do help keep this community running. Uh, that might not be the most visible things to do. So maybe that's like translating documentation for non-English speaking sub-communities. Um, it's like visibility can be a good proxy for like figuring out if something's valuable, if it's like attracting a lot of attention or if it's like affecting a lot of people, but it's not like a perfect way to uh, understand the value of a contribution. So that's probably something to watch out for. Um, the second thing is that um, it's actually a little bit, uh, it's becoming easier and easier, I guess, um, to sort of game tips. So this shouldn't be such a big problem because there's no like official rules for like, okay, this is my contribution and that means I'm gonna get this tip. Like it's all kind of, you just have to do something and see if it gets rewarded. But um, I think like our impression was that if you spend enough time kind of lurking in the discord and observing, okay, what are the behaviors that tend to get more tips? you can kind of optimize your contribution behaviors to not to make the most valuable contribution that you personally can make, but just like you know, get the most tips possible. And that might have negative effects later on if you think about people optimizing their contributions to just be like most likely to be tipped, um, which might not be aligned with like what could be the most useful thing that you could contribute to pull together at that time. Um, and then the third uh, thing, which is like, we could maybe even think of this as an extension of like tip, uh, the visibility bias thing. So I've called this tip capture, but interviewees also called it like the how tip whales would emerge. So if you have like kind of OG contributors who have like been around for a while, um, they are also more likely to get uh, better compensated through tipping. Just again, maybe because they're more visible, they have a reputation for like making really good contributions. Um, which is great for them. And it's like really, really important that they get rewarded. Um, but then at the same time, it does create a problem where people who are just starting out in their contribution journey, they kind of like have to compete for tips with these, these people. Um, and it's again, just it's harder for them to be noticed. It's harder for them uh, to get the compensation that they need. So those are the three kind of issues we saw there. Moving on, um, there's obviously the grants, pool grants program. Um, 
So um, there's been a lot of like really, really interesting and successful projects that have come through this. And this came up by in several of the interviews that we did. Um, so I think um, an important quote I think here is like one interview, he said, it's the most accessible way for people to access compensation right now. So through grants. Um, and I think that's pretty true for like other DAOs as well. Um, but at the same time, like you can't uh, handle all your kind of labor and compensation issues through the framework of a grants program. And this is like, um, you know, leads into the discussion of creating HR subdow, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, as you probably all know, only a limited range of projects are really like suitable for funding by grants. So usually the project should be like, it's a concrete thing. It's maybe like time limited or it's once off. Um, and the problem with that is like, there's a lot of um, contributions that are really important for community maintenance or for protocol maintenance in general that fall outside of this kind of scope. So like general like tasks that are more ongoing, that are like smaller, that are not once off, but yeah, basically like continuing over time, these kind of maintenance tasks, it's a little bit difficult to make this sort of fit uh, and like propose it effectively as something that could be funded via grants. Um, another big issue with grants programs um, that we kind of heard about in the interviews, and it's also something that has been discussed in the Discord, is that like your ability or your compensation through the grants program is really dependent on your ability to demand like, hey, I want to get paid this much money. And like, that's fine, but like not everyone is really comfortable with doing that. I know I have difficulty like demanding like, okay, this is the this is like a fair price for my labor. This is like what I contributed. Um, and it kind of like outsources this task of defining the appropriate compensation to a community member. Um, and it, it might be that community members aren't super confident in doing that, at least not initially. So that might be like an interesting problem to solve. So um, like instead of like having it all dependent on someone being really good at stating their terms, maybe creating other support systems there is probably something to think about. Um, then the third issue with the grants program, um, and this is an interesting one um, where it would be like cool to do further research into, I think. But um, sometimes you get the impression from like grants projects that are successful. It just feels like a bit of a miracle or something. It's usually like, someone is really proactive and they have this great idea and it like all works out really well. Um, and then when it's like, okay, well, how can we get more people to like propose stuff and carry it out exactly like this? It's like not really clear what you should do. So inside Pull Together, there was also this micro grants program. And, um, you know, maybe this will also change in the future. But what we heard in interviews was that um, it was a little bit difficult to get that like proactive, um, this kind of creative idea generation going. Um, but like, I think uh, an important point here is just that it's not like a miracle and it's not a black box. Like these successful grants projects are very much like shaped by factors that you can track. So like what conditions are people like working in? What does the community feel like? Do they have enough like support for like creating, scoping their grants? Like, do they feel like they should be the ones taking initiative in the first place? And so like, um, as we've seen, like, just in this section, there is quite a bit of uncertainty and like a lot of difficult questions that someone proposing a grant has to answer. And it could be like, if you made that part easier, that you might see more proactive uh, proposals through the grants program. So that's like one, one potential way to maybe think about that problem. Um, Pull Together obviously also has these ops teams. So the, there are two, I guess, right now for Ethereum and Polygon. Um, and there are, I guess, some like small issues here. This is like kind of feels a little bit different um, in terms of like the kind of labor and compensation model that's happening here, but probably still worth 
briefly discussing in this presentation. So as we've seen pulled together, um, it has a really, really strong value proposition as like this on-ramp for crypto beginners. It's like a really friendly, and I think what's also really important, it's like a a, um, a super safe like way to, to get into DeFi. But at the same time, it's like a complex technical project and it has a complex infrastructure that would very much benefit from like the support and contributions of technically literate and skilled community members. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, how do you create a community for pull together where you are bringing in more of these skilled um, people on the tech side, but like also keeping it really like still uh, the successful community for crypto beginners. So that's one issue there. Um, another thing that came up were kind of knowledge asymmetries between uh, the core team and community members, and then also like technical contributors within the community members. Um, and another issue, uh, which I won't go into too much detail here, but like um, this is kind of a general thing, setting expectations, setting clear expectations is really important for any kind of working relationship. So um, I think there was like, you know, some small issues maybe in the ops team where there weren't clear expectations around like how much responsibility does someone on the ops team have in terms of decision making. So like just having really clear expectations seems like a very important part of structuring any working relationship uh, inside Pool Together. So uh, thanks everyone. <laughs> the section's kind of long. Uh, we're on to the last part now. And this is, yeah, a really interesting part. Uh, so the HR subdow, we were really fascinated to see these discussions emerge. Um, and yeah, recently there was also, I guess it's a P-tip from Leighton, which is like where this diagram comes from, um, kind of scoping out like, yeah, what would it mean to kind of tackle some of the issues that I've just talked about through the structure of an HR subdav. So like learning how to structure these part-time and full-time roles and creating like this contributor journey or multiple journeys that like would lead you to like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna, gonna lean on tipping to get paid. I'm gonna try and apply for a grant, join like an ops team or like uh, apply for an actual job. Um, and so I think this will be like a really, really important development. I'm really looking forward to see like how this kind of comes into being. And um, just for this final part, like we wanted to share a few like potential challenges that we think might be interesting for the HR subdata to consider as it's like kind of in this stage of forming itself. So the one thing we noticed is that there are certainly a lot of differing perspectives on like what compensation or what kind of work is actually valuable and how should we compensate it in general, just within the community based on what we saw in the discord, on the forums and in the interviews. So there are generally kind of disagreements um, around like, you know, technical labor versus like more kind of soft skills or like you know, um, being a dev versus being a community manager, like what kind of payment structure do you need there? Um, is it better to just encourage only like proactive uh, contributions that are then retroactively paid? So just get everyone to take initiative and see if they get paid later or like to have people have a more secure employment position. So, I mean, basically the like the point here is just that like, I think you're probably going to have a really interesting debate as a community around like, what do we think is valuable work? Like, how do we define that? And it actually gets into some pretty philosophical territory. So like, being aware that you're probably going to face this consensus like finding process and that it might be like more complicated than it seems to like figure out like what work deserves to be paid, how much. Um, so that's maybe something to be aware of. Um, another um, learning that comes from like the, I guess the way, the learnings that people have had uh, working on pool grants 
um, are like would be really important to transfer to like whatever HR structures you put in place with the HR subdow. Um, one thing I've like seen also kind of the sentiment reflected um, in the context of other projects is that like it's really cool to be able to work for a DAO, but it's also pretty scary uh, because of the constant working in public and the constant transparency that you have as like a DAO employee or contributor. So it's kind of like um, you have to be okay with like being constantly scrutinized by your fellow community members. Um, and also like knowing that you could be fired at some point and that like firing could be an extremely public process. Um, and so it's kind of, it's a difficult thing because um, in kind of classic human resources, you would have um, a more of an emphasis on like a bit more privacy and um, discretion around these kinds of issues. And that is like important for people to feel just like comfortable in the workplace and not feel like super overexposed. Um, an additional problem to this, like it, on top of this high level of transparency, there tends to be like a lack of these like clear HR guardrails. So there might not be any formal processes for like, if there's a conflict between uh, people, how do you mediate that conflict? Like there are all like existing structures that allow you to address this, um, but they're like not in place at the moment. Um, so it, by having this like really like overexposed kind of high transparency environment, and a lack of formal processes, you definitely run the risk that conflicts become like very emotional and they become about personality clashes. Um, and the kind of the, the issue overall with this is that you really don't want to undermine anyone's sense of like job security. People should feel safe working uh, for your DAO because when someone feels safe in their job, it means that they're more engaged, they can perform better, they're more creative, they feel better about taking risks. And all of this is really, really important for like having a kind of culture of innovation inside your org. Um, and then just quickly wrapping up the section, um, I think, yeah, this will be a very time sensitive project. Um, it seems like we're entering into a phase where DAOs are increasingly competing for human capital and trying to like attract um, this kind of scarce resource, scarce resource, which is like talented people to work on your community and your protocol. Um, so it's like, uh, I think that it seems like pull together is like moving forward at a really good pace on this issue. And I would definitely like encourage to like, keep it, keep up that rapid pace because it seems like this is definitely not a problem. You can like delay solving. Um, I think like DAO contributors are becoming more professional. They're like knowing what their own leverage is and like what they can ask for. And they might, you know, it, I feel like it'll be like normal that people will start to demand more benefits. Like they want more flexibility. Um, and so it's just going to be an interesting like time, I think, for um, how contributors like relate and build their careers like by working for different DAOs. So it's like a pool together, it would make a lot of sense to like have this HR sub DAO set up and ready to go, basically. So that's it from me. Um, Toby, I'll pass on to you. All right. Um, so a couple points back. Um, Joanna was talking about how uh, in the design of an HR sub DAO, different perspectives on compensation uh, might make it difficult to reach consensus around um, what those full-time, those paths to full-time contribution might be. Um, and th there's differences not only within the community, the, the existing community, but within the core team itself. Um, the some some people on on the core team um, view 
what a crypto community is as a kind of self-organized like vibe creation engine. Um, whereas other people view, view the community as like the whatever naturally emergent um, like group of people are there who, who submit governance proposals. And, and yet another view is there are um, like the, the right composition for a community is um, technical contributors and, and people who are building on the protocol. Um, our view is that the, the compensation issues and um, disagreements around labor practices that have already been happening are a result of these different views. Because there isn't lack of alignment on what types of contributions are valuable and how the community ought to be composed, um, you kind of have a contradictory thing going on, where on the one hand, Pull Together is very open, um, it's actively encouraging new contributions, and it's working in public. But on the other, the, the main mental models that are being acted on for valuing and recruiting labor are just based on technical contributions and, and business objectives, which is the, the model of the core team. Um, so... And in addition to that, uh, for different contribution types, there are no success metrics or quality standards so far. So you, you often have people who aren't the best suited person to do a particular job proposing partnerships or tokenomic changes, et cetera. Um, so uh, while we this while we're not going to opine on how the, the HR subdial could be composed, um, we do think that these different community constituencies, there are three co different community constituencies that need uh, different labor compensation models to, to support their growth um, as, as pool together scales. So the, the first category is uh, what we're calling believers, who are contributors who generate goodwill, maintain this, this positive vibe. Um, and this first group of contributors um, represents or resembles more of, of like a fandom community. Obviously, fan activity is really hard to value. Um, how do you value the super long tail of contributors? But we think that the tipping culture that you already have started um, is like a really good first step. Um, those kind of like low touch contributions are a great way to um, have have community members all like rewarding, rewarding each other and um, it's kind of surprising new members with like the, the generosity of the community. Um, you already have a, a really strong base for this. And I think maintaining this culture of, of positive vibes might, might be difficult if pooled together suddenly, you know, five X's or 10 X's if it scales really fast. So um, in order to preserve that culture, one thing that you might think about is um, having highly active participants um, being granted more substantial allowances of tokens with the expectation that they kind of disperse them to, to new members as a form of encouragement. Um, secondly, uh, a, a, second, a second whole category of, of constituents is, is governance practitioners. So 
this this group of people you could define as token holders and users with an entrepreneurial mindset and uh, technical literacy who are able to see strategic opportunities for a treasury deployment or tokenomics. Now, granted, there there are some um, tokenomic experts in the community, so so that's great. Um, but one thing we heard was, oh, we'd really like if there was another core team working on pool together or building, um, you know, like, or, or, or proposing really high level strategically advantageous partnerships. Um, in, a, in a traditional corporate context, that would be done by executive employees or investors or board members, right? Um, but um, in crypto, you don't necessarily want to hire those people onto the core team uh, because you want to, you know, maintain credibly sufficient decentralization. Um, so you have an issue where that would, you know, was recently just discussed in the HR DAO, HR sub DAO forum discussion, um, where uh, you, you might not want centralization. You might want to um, have that, have those people be others. But how do you? How do you do that when the core team is the most knowledgeable, the most competent, and like has the most context? Um, we think the way to one way to solve that that hasn't really been tried yet is to create a dedicated program separately, separate from the grants program, to attract um, really competent and qualified governance practitioners. Um, and that project would have would, would or or that 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 committee. Um, would be would be positioned differently and and try to attract a specific set of talent. I think it would maybe venture capital is like one pool of talent to draw from, or um, like hackers who are are leaving an existing project and like want to go want to go to a new project but don't know where that is yet. Um, and and would need to offer really significant um, token token allocations, much more than than the existing grants program. Um, more more akin to like um an early employee at a company or, or something, um, because uh, the, the only way to attract that, the level of talent and like entrepreneurialism is um, to, with significant incentives. Uh, so so a, an insight here is we don't think that the grants program in its current form is, is going to be enough to attract that type of talent. We don't think that's a, a credible pathway. Um, and the third, the third category, uh, is developers, app developers, and integrators. So these are technical community members who integrate um, the protocol in their own apps and services, build front ends, creating pools for their own communities. Um, so far, the the way that that you all have thought about growing the protocol is uh, just using tokenomics, um, and. Uh, there, there's been you know recent proposals to to move away from traditional yield farming to to um, Olympus DAO style bonding rewards, um, but we think that there's an alternative growth strategy to be had. Focus on cultivating a community of app developers who build pools for their own community, um, and one reason this is an opportunity is because app developers are amenable to uh, automated incentive models. Um, so. Uh, in in the past, in in the crypto space, things like developer mining have have been proposed, but haven't um, really been substantially tried yet. Uh, but we think that pool together is in a pretty advantageous position here because the value propositions of pool together are really simple to understand. Um, the, you know, it's it's prize savings and 
that's a model that can be integrated by lots of different communities or game developers or whatever it may be. Um, developer mining models, uh, 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 this would require a kind of tokenomic revision um, to uh, you know, re reward developers who are able to drive volume uh, to, to the protocol uh, with like a proportional pool drip. Um, but uh, we do see this being like um, an, an opportunity that like isn't isn't explored uh, even while there is currently a desire to to bring more technical contributors into the fold. Um, so those are, those are three areas that we see as an opportunity for more um, structured uh, compensation models. Um, that is not the existing HR subdao, um, which we also see as as like a, a valuable thing to to keep pushing on. Um, you know, there there, crypto is what it is. There will always be a, a boatload of token holders out there who just sudden, suddenly become activated and want to contribute in some way. And we think that if they don't fit into these categories, the HR subdao is like a really necessary vehicle to. Um, uh, you know, bring bring them into the fold in a, in a structured way. Um, so, um, that's that. Um, <laughs> I guess we we have we have a conclusion in in the the last part of the piece. Um, but I'm not sure. But yeah, maybe maybe Aaron wants to talk about that. But maybe we should leave some time for for questions as well. Yeah, I mean, just to close out in general, pool together. Um, the problems that pool together has are really good ones to have. Uh, how to compensate the high quality contributions that you all have been receiving, and how to incentivize more integrations into the into the base layers you've already built, um, and maintaining the wholesome atmosphere that you already have as you continue to grow um, and just making sense of all these many different constituencies within within the community so i think these are all like really good and interesting challenges and um, some of the solutions that we've talked about will you know borrow and remix from um, from older org structures and some will be newer more unique to the to the context of pool together and the organism trying to build um, and in general what we've talked a lot about is just this idea of of reinventing wheels like not being a bad thing um but learning about you know organizational diet design in this brand new context with this brand new tech stack and um having the opportunity to to recreate some older forms, um, learn about why they were designed in the first place, while also um, while also leaving room for for new ways of doing this, um, and that process being a, a really exciting one, and pulled together being in a unique position to actually um, set an example and a precedent for other groups in the space who are trying to do this. So yeah, maybe we can open it up for discussions or and 
and questions. Um, there has been a truly amazing discussion happening in the uh, other internet pulled together DAO report event, temporary events channel, which I hope gets archived. Um, it, it'll get archived. Don't worry. This is awesome. pretty good. <laughs> This has been a pretty important subject. So, and it's it's one of those ones that's like really sensitive, right? People are kind of like almost afraid to talk about it. So, someone's got to be the guy that breaks the glass. Now we pick it okay. up. I'll, I'll do it. Um, okay, I've just got a question for Brendan, uh, just based on the technical points that were raised. Like, how? Uh, what's your sort of reaction to to um, covering off the you know the very possibly more technical technical. Um, level of uh, um, not sure what the right word is support or, or personnel that we need and how that can be done based on based on the comments today yeah I think that's a I think that's a really important question um, I, I also first want to say thank you to the other internet team this has been a really great presentation there were some nuggets here that I thought were particularly interesting and some of the small ones like um, you know the, the the tipping is kind of visible ability biased, which I thought that's really interesting. I can sort of see evidence of that or remember of that. But um, but yeah, Mikkel, I think that is that was actually I was going to pipe up and ask a question, uh, which is kind of semi related in how what is the best way to grow our uh, team of professionals that are in terms of um, developers, but also in terms of marketing and biz dev, like there's so many aspects to this beyond just development, you know. And while I think there are some good prior examples that I've seen in particular with Meta Cartel in terms of um, funneling contributors, the actual HR structure and how to structure that I think is 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 kind of an open question. Um, so I was going to ask you guys how have you guys seen any examples of HR type structures or related structures that you think are particularly yeah. effective? Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I mean, I can, uh, yeah, maybe Joanna has an answer to this. Um, I want to say, like, the first thing is, um, personally, there, I, I don't think there's necessarily a problem with that, um, you know, the, the idea of, um, you know how this this flow chart that that Layton created. How do you want to contribute? Like full time, part time. Um, th that isn't um, wrong per se, um, but in order to make it successful, it just requires um, somebody to spend the time uh, aligning on or, uh, creating creating the the kind of success metrics and models. Um, you know, in a nor when you're normally designing uh, an organizational structure, you're you're creating a new role, you're hiring for them. You, um, you know, understand what what KPIs that role is basically reporting to. Um, what what is their mandate? And I think having more clarity on that and like th thinking from that perspective give will will reward you by um, developing a more more clear picture of like where are the missing holes in the ecosystem and can somebody who's working for the DAO not pull together ink like fill that competently uh so I, I think that's that's like the place i would i would start from um 
rather than thinking about it from a I mean I just feel like, like it's very uncharted territory so I or who's in charge of who Joanna do you have do you have more thoughts on like, this hey what are the like good models that we could uh learn from but like you're kind of in a position to like create the the model that might work and like you definitely have the community culture that would support that so yeah I mean just because there aren't so many good examples it could just mean that like you're about to become the good example is all I would say there so. Yeah, I guess it's, it's funny, Toby, you mentioned that uh, it doesn't really matter or the, the focus shouldn't be who is in charge of who, but I actually have a counterexample to that from your report, which I think it was, which was that some disputes need to be resolved in the background and you have to find people you trust to conduct these conversations and make lateral decisions that are fair and unbiased but nonetheless and i think that's that's really interesting even talking to um some core team members that um like the structure we have now like being more um i guess not necessarily the big public part of the DAO to you know publicly discuss their work and and being very apparent that way so i think there is some degree of, of sort of uh, i think you know that is needed in order to really like al allow people to be the shields people to extent. Um, not everyone is this extroverted person that can come pitch themselves and work in, in public as we are. So um, that's why I think there is a certain element of, you know, having some structure for how to represent these, these other people that I think is really important. Uh, yeah, yeah sure, sure. That, I, I don't think that is to be undervalued. Um, like, I, in other, I don't know any other DAO that has like solved this that has a, a structure similar to pool together. Um, but one project um, has uh, effectively committed to um, hiring a, a DAO lead and engineering DAO lead and a recruiting manager as like their first um hires and then like going through like a multi-month kind of knowledge transfer process to those to those people exactly what organizational vehicle they're using to employ people under quote unquote this DAO is is kind of a question um but yeah i think it's clear that there will be contributors um who who don't want to um be super visible as as you say and and having people to kind of like protect them and create a team for that is is definitely important yeah i'm i'm assuming you're talking about reflexor um and i've actually been talking to them a bit and they said they will have like a legal wrapper for their dao which is also kind of an open question that nobody really talks about is like what kind of legal entity is the dao which is also like important, or it could be important. I guess that's also an open question. Like, is it? Does it even matter? Um, but in general, like most people on their tax report are probably expected to like say where they're getting this money from, 
right? And um, that'll be something that like I'm going to have to figure out personally is how do I correctly report the come that I've been making through the DAO. Uh, so yeah, I think that's definitely a, a relevant topic as well. Great. Thanks, Brendan. Um, did we have other questions or comments on any other aspects if anyone wants to chime in with a microphone? Yeah, I have uh, just one question, um, and I know that all this discussion is definitely uh, pushing in the right direction of you know more having better, more concrete processes for uh, HR and payment and all that kind of thing and conflict resolution. But how do you guys picture that uh, pushing towards you know more traditional corporate structures? Because obviously DAOs are supposed to be a totally new, fundamentally new organizational structure. Yeah, what it's risk kind of is that to me, we just I end think up about it as like an opportunity hierarchical to with, reinvent uh, or like all these different human uh, resources. Ideas. I also think um, one thing that um, tends to be like kind of a fear is that, okay, if we're starting to put structures in place, it might make things more hierarchical and like controlled and centralized. But like, I think a good way to think about HR for DAOs is like, you're putting the scaffolding in place so that all kinds of really interesting emergent behavior can actually start to flourish, if that makes sense. Um, so like, what is the, like, you basically want to create the ideal environment for all kinds of like complex behavior to emerge for people to like do things spontaneously and proactively. And um, like that stuff, um, even though it's like, yeah, at some point it starts to emerge naturally, I think to like kick it off, you really need to invest a lot of time and resources into like setting up this beneficial environment. And then you'll like reap the rewards, which is like in the form of, um, yeah, like as long as you kind of stay true to your values, if you say, okay, we don't want to have like something hierarchical, if there's like um, a way that the community can always feed back on um, like as these processes develop, like, and if you have it as a goal that, you don't want to become hierarchical, then like, I think uh, it's not such a big risk. Um, but yeah, that's like a point that I want to underline, just that like setting up this scaffolding, um, even if it seems like it's like feels like going the direction of like traditional bureaucracy or something. Um, it's actually like, it's almost like, yeah, you're just creating, it's like a form of like gardening or something. You're like kind of cultivating the environment that you need for the type of emergent um, organization that you want to flourish basically is how I would think about it. <laughs> yeah, so you could kind of encapsulate this in the uh, the culture or mission statement or something like that, right? Like Google has the whole "Don't be evil" ethos. Uh, <laughs> whether they followed that or not over the last ten years yeah. is uh, another question. But that was kind of supposed to be the 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 uh, driving ethos for the whole company. Um, and if the if a DAO had something similar, like some some statement, some mission statement that we could follow, then that should hopefully prevent that hierarchical. Uh, you know, more rigid decentralization uh, and maintain the decentralization that makes makes everything so you know emergent. Yeah, like you said. I, I think it goes beyond um, like a, a mission statement, but um, the way we've been talking about them is like a, a charter, a community charter that um, you know not only 
whereas like a code of, a, a mission statement says in the most abstract, what are we about? And so my, that might be a value statement too. And a code of conduct says like, here's what behavior is like inappropriate and what we like won't tolerate. Um, and I think a community charter um, or like operating agreement might get at like what's in between those things. Like what type of behavior do we want to cultivate? What type of decision-making um, do we want to uh, what what type of decision making processes do we want to have together? Um, I think there is, um, as we hinted, there are certain things that from from like traditional corporate structures that like are to be desired. Like like Brendan said, not everybody wants to work super in public. Um, but like you said, there are opportunities to. Um, I, well, I'll put it this way. I, I think that the opportunities to um, have a different a different way of working together or, or a more decentralized way of working together have more to do with um, how how we choose to to like make decisions as a group and um, it's that that stuff isn't can't really be captured hundred percent in an org chart. Um, like that, but it can, it can be learned. Um, there are lots of, um, you know, organizational methodologies that, that have been tried, uh, to varying degrees of success, um, that, that can help, that help people learn how to work together in like a more collaborative and, and cooperative fashion without, you know, dominating one another. And I think that's the essence of like what people in DAOs are, are looking for. Other thing we've talked a lot about is that community charter thing up getting studied in the design of the digital social spaces. Think about like the design traditional governance be like a legislature. You have like a cameral chair. Architecture of the building reflects the way that that body makes decisions, you know, one side of the aisle, side of the aisle, etc. And similar thing. Here's like digital architecture in terms of how you set up the different spaces, whether Discord or Discourse, and how information is flowing. This is that you designed. A lot of work that ends is at translating the values, or maybe it's that you want which hierarchy get put into the charter and how social services are designed, how people. Um, move and flow them. One question I had was, uh, you wrote like some of the weaknesses that the coordinate program has, and I think I agree with all yeah, of those. I, um, I would say so. But like, what is I your general like, assessment um, of like? Initially, when I was looking is at it, it something I was like, that not is so sure if I was valuable. Sold, um, Tipping um, as you a know, is it kind of model, working, but, but it could be improved? General, or, uh... I think it has a lot of benefits. And like, as we saw, there are these like smaller contributions, this maintenance work. Uh, the need for that is not going to go away. And like, it can be um, like a highly efficient way of like distributing compensation, similar to like people have done studies on how like uh, pay what you want, uh, like systems at restaurants and stuff, like 
there was a philosopher who said like, okay, this is actually like a really good way for people to get on average, like what they deserve to be paid. So I think there's something interesting there. And um, I feel like there were already maybe some ideas in the chat um, suggesting like ways that you could just tweak the way that tipping happens or put some kind of like guardrails around it. Um, so that might be like taking a uh, whale, like oops, like out of the pool um, or like so that like, you know, that they don't get um, allocated too much. And like people also do that voluntarily, it sounds like. Um, people also discussed in the chat like that tipping might like happen by like a community advocate. And I also think like it could be cool if there's someone in charge of like um, making sure that all the invisible contributions are actually made visible through the various, like, within the community, the channels that you have, whether that's, like, the newsletter or the calls, like, being like, hey, you might not know, but this person is, like, doing really cool work on this, and, like, maybe that's something you do already. So I kind of think, like, yeah, I think tipping is good. Um, and, like, in a culture, like, pulled together where it's super generous and altruistic, like, it's, like, definitely good. But um, it's just about, like, you guys as a community coming up with ways to, like, um, rein in some of those like less efficient like aspects of it I guess if that makes sense Hey guys, uh, quick question. Blake Brito here. Um, first of all, I've been looking forward to this report for a long time. You guys knocked it out of the park. I think succinctly summarized a lot of uh, um, areas that we can improve. So um, really glad it came together. And like Toby said, we're perfect test subjects for for you guys. So glad it worked out. But um, I'm interested to know, was there any disparities between the working groups or among the different channels of communication so that you guys kind of like identified? Uh, internally um, communicating between different areas so, of the community um, like how between the forum and the, the discord or those, um, channels of communication yeah i mean i think that's not not something we were able to super closely study um but i think yeah it's slightly yeah that and within like the different working um, groups um, i think there's like definitely a awesome. comparison that we were able to make like straight away when we joined the community and saw like how communication generally happens, how information flows. Uh, and that is that it seems actually highly integrated, like especially in comparison to something like Unispeak, which felt like very fragmented. So I don't know, maybe the other guys want to like weigh in here, but um, I think we generally had a positive sense of like the communication flows and it was interesting how people also described them in the mapping exercise um, but yeah did anyone else notice something specific in the research i'm not sure if we had such a strong emphasis Yeah, we didn't see like very super deeply inside um, like grants programs communication internally <laughs> or like operations team next yeah um, exactly internal communications, but um, but I wish we did <laughs> next grant.
Um, well, I don't want to take too much of everyone's time. Um, so please just enjoy this, the, the meme inside the meme, um, of which is, I think, a, a, a great, a great place to stop. Um, the, yeah, the overall, you know, if, if I had one thing to, to say to you guys is like, I can't, um, I can't imagine a a community that is more suited to tackle these challenges. Um, and like, despite some of the the issues that that you've had in the past around compensation and stuff, um, it's really obvious that there is a lot of trust and goodwill in this community. So that's everyone, everyone here, and like everyone who's who's contributed a lot definitely deserves. Um, deserves to be commended for for that um you guys are doing great work and pull together is sick so um yeah uh feel free to um you know w i guess if this if this channel stays around like feel free to like ask questions um after the fact and and um we'll we'll try to follow up if if talking on voice wasn't your jam um but yeah thank you thank you for for um, inviting us into Thanks. your community to, to do this work. Thanks, Toby. We really appreciate it. And the rest of the other internet team as well. Yeah, yeah. thank you, Toby. Thank you all. Yeah, I, I also, I think this is really great. Um, you know, from the grants committee side, it's always really hard to Thanks. tell ahead of time what's gonna work and what's not, especially if you haven't worked together with the people beforehand. Um, but I think this is definitely like the best case scenario for the outcome um, from my point of view. And yeah, I'd also be happy to continue chatting with you guys. Yeah, thanks to the grads, the, the grants team too. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks to the grants team. You guys rock. I, I am curious about the lawsuit stuff, um, but maybe we should. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do a, qu a quick comment on it, but uh, we should turn off the recording or remove the recording. Oh, good idea. Greg. Can you do that? Oops. One sec. Doing it right now. <laughs> Wee. <laughs> I'm just laughing at uh, 